I'm excited to announce that I've partnered with GiveSum to make your giving experience remarkable. GiveSum's digital web-based platform allows you to give to the charitable initiatives you care about most while also experiencing the difference your gift made. Join us in celebrating this partnership by visiting the link in the bio. Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC Follow the Money Investing with Purpose, a show where we have real conversations with the people who are driving change in our community. No better person to bring to that uh, intro is Saper from Corridor. How are you, brother? How you doing? Thank you for having me. Rock and roll, Sorry man. I am, I'm so good. I'm looking forward to it. We had the, you and I had a five minute power chat and I'm laughing. I think anybody who knows both of us will be like, oh goodness, what's it going to be like to put these two on a podcast together? <laughs> they don't shut up. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> We're going to yell at each other in an enthusiastic way for an hour. All right, let's skip. The, let's let's skip. I, I don't like the what you do. I like what are you passionate about? Like, first of all, let's do two uh-huh. things. What are you passionate about? What gets you out of bed in the morning? And what is Corridor? Let's give just through the quick elevator ride to let everybody into the tent. Yeah. So Corridor is my passion. So I'll kind of start with mm-hmm. the passion and then it'll lead to Corridor. So Amazing. essentially what I, where I started was I, I've been an entrepreneur since before I even graduated university. So it was second year of university. Um, I was really bored at school. You know, I'm not that school type of person. And so I actually started a, my own um, home uh, home automation company on the side while I was doing school at the same time. So I was taking about like full-time school, full-time that. And essentially, I just, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've never worked for a big corporation. The biggest corporation I worked for was Apple Retail, right? So like that's, that's the latest. <laughs> and so... Um, you know, I, I kind of grew up being a founder and really saw the struggles and the and the problems uh, that you got to solve on a regular basis. And you have to be comfortable being, you know, a CEO, project manager, being the installer, being the finance guy, being the accountant. Like it's all in as uh, as a founder. And so I I was working as as a home. I was I had my home automation company called New Automation. That's what it was called. And essentially, what happened was I was like. I'm juggling 16 different tasks here. Why can't I just find software to deal with that? And so I said, you know what? I can't find software. I'm going to build my own. Because, you know, we're, we're crazy. We're as crazy. One, as, as, as one does. does. As one we does. love jumping off cliffs like without even thinking about it. Didn't even think about how hard software development was. I just said, it's easy. I got this. So I started, uh, I started building my own software for uh, new automations and kind of noticed, oh, good, this is going to be a big market. And so I spinned it off as Corridor. Um, it epically failed. I sold new automations. Uh, uh, Corridor itself epically failed because I did not consider how hard software is, one. And two, people's habits suck and they don't change. <laughs> right? So <laughs> I was building a full ERP they, system. They complain, but yet say exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'm building an end-to-end system where like everything is housed in one system and and all of a sudden, everyone was like, I like your project management tool, but I don't want to use your CRM. And I'm like, you can't not use my CRM. It yeah, all yeah, works yeah. together. So, um, and then what happened was I spun it off as Corridor 2.0 is what we call it at the office, um, V2, whatever you want to call it. But essentially what happened was I, I'm, I'm now, I work with startups and I work with angels. And I found that there was very little resources for small businesses specifically founders, because no one cares about you until you've shown that you've made millions. But it's not easy to make millions, 
right? So you're sitting there working your ass off. Excuse me if I'm I'm allowed to <laughs> please, swear on the dude, man. <laughs> dude, this, this is this is a PG thirteen or maybe or even a, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ass is okay. 100%. So you know uh, they're they're working their butts off, but they're kind of putting it together in a puzzle piece as they go, mm-hmm. and I hated that. I especially with software, it's a it's a very massive challenge you're undertaking when you take on software development and the technical side the technical is the hardest part at the beginning most companies fail at the technical level and and i learned is because they don't take the approach from product and business as one thing they take two different approaches i want a Hmm. business model and then hey developer can you build me something that'll do this but they don't realize not a retail shop where you can you know spin off and say okay i don't like nike anymore i'm gonna sell adidas right you can't spin like you you yeah, build what you're, you're build, all in that's you're the all product, in. yeah yeah right so that's where we kind of uh uh kind of went went through it and you know a lot of people in the software industry always say you know you got to get your mvp you got to get your mvp <laughs> i don't i actually heard this from someone else i think it was the uh product lead from webflow okay. and i love what she said and she said no no you got to build mlp most lovable product. product. And I agree with that because in today's market, you can't just come out with an MVP. You've got to come out with a solution to a problem. You have to have the users love what you're doing in order for them to actually engage with your product. You just can't come out with an MVP and say, done, here we go. We're going to start selling tomorrow. So that's where my passion is. I just, I hate seeing founders fail. I hate seeing good founders fail for no reason. It is a chance game. And I just try to help their chances as much as I possibly can. How, what's a little bit of, give us a few timelines. How long has Corridor 2.0 been in play? Yeah. So uh, Corridor 2.0 has been around for three and a half years now. So nice. the whole Corridor thing has been around for five years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so scope, I mean, scope, in, in scope terms team of startup or, world, yeah. I'm pretty mature. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you, totally. You survived. You survived uh, the many milestones. Of what, yeah. what defines, and that's such a, I've had that conversation. I'm like, are you still a startup? Well, we've got a startup mindset, but mean? we've been here for five. Yeah, it is a pretty loose like term. Like Neil Financial still considers themselves a startup. And I'm like, you're the last thing from a startup. There's no uh, way you can call yourself a startup at this yeah, point. Yeah, what are they, six, 700 employees or <laughs> yeah, last, exactly. last, last count? Yeah, yeah, totally. we're still a startup. And I appreciate, I know a lot of the guys over there, I, I appreciate the attitude and we're builders yeah. and like that startup grind, but you're right. Yeah. There's different levels of heavily funded, largest series A, series B, and still having a startup attitude is <laughs> very yeah. different. And, and you know, Apple, Apple did it. Apple was yeah, yeah, very yeah. much under Steve Jobs was a was a startup mentality. I think the mentality of a startup. I think where a lot of people confuse startup versus non startup, whatever. It's a it's a vision thing. It's it's is everyone aligned with the vision and is everyone working towards that vision or are they there for a job? I think that's mm. what differentiates mm. a startup to a company. Because in my opinion. You're, whoever works for a startup is there to be a big impact on on a bigger picture, right? So they're there for the vision. They're there for the uh, you know larger scale. What are we trying to achieve? Whereas you know with bigger companies like Suncor and them, no, you know you hire someone. No one cares what Suncor is trying to do. Give me my paycheck. I'll do my job, and we walk away, right? And that's the that's the straight transaction. So I think the the way you can differentiate between a startup versus a non startup. Go look at the employees. Are they busting their butts? Are they actually sitting there going, you know, what's the, here's our vision. Here's where we're trying to go. Are they part of that? I think that's what defines a startup to me. 
I like thank you because it's it's it, it's loosely defined at, at it's best, very loose. right? It's, it's, it's very I define loose. it based on my convenience of needing it or not needing that term in the moment. Yeah. When you have somebody come in and sit across from you, okay, where I'm early stage, I'm listening to this and I've got an idea, or maybe I've got I've stumbled and fall, or maybe I've kind of blown too much of my budget on my technology. When you sit down with those individuals, how much is your filter of like, is this a good company to partner with? And even we can talk about that. I'm assuming you don't work with mm-hmm. everybody who comes in. You probably no. do some vetting. How much is vision and purpose part of that formula for you as, is this a solid business? Can the technology do it? Is there a customer? And oh, by the way, are you all driving to something bigger and shinier to change the world? Yeah. I mean, look, to be honest with you, I think every founder is crazy in their own way, right? Um, and, and I've talked to this about with someone else on their podcast and, and and my own podcast. I talk about it all the time. I say founders are crazy. Like you have to be to be a founder, Right. And so I, and, I, it, that's a compliment. I think it sounds like it's a, it's a compliment. <laughs> it's a compliment. Because, I, exactly. Uh, it's because, ir- irrational people do uh, irregular things. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, everyone, uh, you know, Mr. Beast, I don't know if you watch him or you watch Steve Jobs. Everyone is crazy. Every entrepreneur is crazy until they're a genius, right? Elon Musk was crazy until everything kind of started working out. And everyone was like, oh, he's actually a genius, right? So I he think might, founder, he might still be crazy, but let's, yeah, let's not talk about you it. You know, it's hard for me. I can't. I feel like the crazy showing. It's showing right now a little bit. But anyways. I, I think he's unhinged. I call yes, him unhinged. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, the inmates are. Every, everyone's telling him all his ideas are great. That's what's happening yeah. right now. Yeah, it's. A, I think he's surrounded himself too many good people. Yeah, uh, or just uh, you know. But um, yeah. <laughs> um, tangent, tangent. Pull, yeah, it, tangent, back, pull it back. Usual, pull it back. It's going to happen all day. Um, you know, going back to uh, your question. I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, actually, could you repeat your question? I, we went on that tangent. Absolutely. Totally when, when you have somebody come in your office, sit down, like, yes, hey, I'm curious okay. about working with you. And you go, I'm assuming, and you can touch on it. We look at the business. We look at what whether you think there's actually a market opportunity, whether there's a target customer, whether there's a problem to be solved. And is there an underlying purpose and vision? And this is yeah. something we try to bring in the show because we can talk about VC money. We can talk about product market fit. Where does purpose play in? And where is it a nice to have, a have to have? And where does it sometimes get too much celebrity? And it's actually, there isn't a business behind it, actually. It's yeah. a great purpose, but this is not a business. Mm-hmm. I love what you said. So I'll go through both sides, right? Okay, perfect. Um, mm-hmm. on, on, on the side of uh, um, investing and, and specifically us investing our time or even investing our money okay. into a startup, we look at four things. We, we very much take the approach of a VC or an angel, right? Um, one is timing. So the timing of the product, I, I say this in everywhere I go. Like when we do our workshops, we do workshops, we tell every startup, we're like, these four things are the things you need to be able to answer questions to. So timing of the product. The second one is the team. Who are you and why are you going to take it to the next level? And I'll explain why to this one. A lot of founders come to us and say, I have this brilliant idea and I'm going to build it. And we go, okay, do you have experience in that industry? No. Do you have customers you've talked to? No, this is just common sense. And I always tell them, I'm like, you know what's so common about common sense? And they go, not very common. I'm like, exactly. So you taking that approach of common sense is very non-common, right? Um, You know, a lot of founders take the approach of, you know, I want to build something, but I want to keep it a secret, right? No one, I I don't want anyone to know my idea. And I'm like, listen, I've been around North America. I do workshops on a regular basis, Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, New York, Miami. Atlanta. I've been everywhere. I can tell you, I've seen the same idea every single city. Every <laughs> I single love it. time. I love that. Yeah. The difference is execution, right? 
So that's the third one. Go to market strategy. How are you planning to go to market with this idea? Right? Again, ideas are cheap. It's the execution and the team that's behind it that makes it a big deal. Right? That's the that's the reality of it. And then finally, the product itself. Like, what's the moat? What are you building that's unique? Um, what's the MLP? Right? Most lovable product. Right? What 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 are your users? Because you have to realize you have to target a niche market when you come out and launch. So what's that niche going to love about your product that they don't have already? So those are the four things we look at. Thank you the for laying ones, that out. Yeah, yeah. And, what, the and ones then that purpose have, and I, vision that kind of support even underneath all that. But if those oh, four aren't there, the short stories, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I tell every founder, I'm like, go have conversations with the people you're about to build a product with. They love to talk. No one's going to steal your idea. No one cares. Like they're running their Back own Back to your point, because right execution now. is hard. <laughs> execution is hard. If you talk to any founder, they'll tell you execution is the hardest part. I've had thousands of ideas. Elon Musk comes out with ideas on a regular basis and just hands it off to someone else, right? Um, with the with the loop, right? But the question mark the flame the, the flamethrower, yeah, yeah, probably. the flamethrower. Like what? Right? <laughs> but ultimately, the execution is the important part. So go have conversations with those people you're about to build a product with. Um, our marketing, our VP of marketing, Emma um, Chimali, it she's amazing. She's she's my favorite person to ever work with. Like she's super organized, but still has like that creative touch, and, which sometimes are very contraindicative. <laughs> yeah, they're very contraindicative, right? But she's got to deal with me, so that kind of help. That kind of offsets <laughs> trial by but, fire. Trial by fire. I see <laughs> exactly right. But she brought it up. She's like, we should call that product advisory board. It was her own thing, right? So we've we've coined it product advisory board. Go get five to 10 customers and and see if those customers are willing to talk to you. And they'll sell you. They'll sell themselves while helping you build the product. Because they're going to tell you everything that's wrong with their situation. Their, and you're solving their, their, their current solution, problem. right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so if they don't have a product advisory board, if the timing isn't really there, um, the team is kind of like all very hypey. I hate hypey. Uh, I find a lot of uh, VCs get into FOMO mode a lot, and they invest on on the concept of they've because you can find really good founders that are master raisers, master raisers, which is They're itself very, a different skill. Yeah, I, totally, it's a complete. But uh, to be honest, every time I see that, I'm like, you're not a good executioner, so you better have someone in the background that's actually executing. Because you're not doing any execution. Well, there's the game of getting raiser. to the next raise, and there's a the game of actually executing on the thing. Exactly. Uh, would you Would you say the, the last six months has that really shifted? Have we gone back to you actually have to build the thing? Because I've heard that from different. Like you actually have to do something. You actually have to have customers. You actually shocker, have to get right? revenue. I know. What a shocker I idea, what? right? <laughs> I know. I'm I'm talking crazy over here. I know. I know. Uh, so I, I, you're nodding. So I'm assuming you've seen this same transition, maybe back to Riyadh where it should have been in the first. Place. I think it's where it should have been. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think we were in fluff. I think the fluff has now calmed down, and we're yeah. in a situation where now uh, VCs and investors are now going. Well, okay, hold on. Like I don't want to fund the growth if there's no plan, right? I don't want to fund the next round. Cost. The next round. Yeah. yeah scale yeah. at co- all costs is no longer a big thing. Um, you know, mm. I, I think you're in a situation as, as well. You have to realize a lot of product exists now. 10 years ago, a lot of yeah. product did not exist. Um, software was relatively a new thing, especially SaaS, right? It was a brand new concept. It was pretty new. Um, so a lot of VCs, like it was breaking through into a market, which scale at all costs makes sense. Uber, yeah, yeah. you know, DoorDash, like you can, you can name them. Now yeah. you can be fifth and still be a billion dollar company. A lot of people don't realize that, right? Because the market has already opened up. 
And a lot of people have engaged with apps now, and it's a regular thing. It's a, it's a, it's a within our human habits to utilize Back to your apps. original comment about changing customer behavior, change management. Oh, 100%. Right? And it took yeah, 10 yeah. years, right? Yeah, yeah. So now VCs <laughs> are that's what it go- takes because we're stubborn as hell. <laughs> yeah. And that's where you're seeing series B, C, D, E, F, G. They struggle right now to raise money because they're burning at an incredibly high rate. And they don't really, they're not, they don't have a plan yeah, to get to this weird balance. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now they have to roll back their road plan. They have to roll back their employees, which is what you saw even in Calgary, where a lot of, a lot of tech companies really rolled back. Neo is one of them is rolling back. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah, there's tons that are yeah, rolling we can, back. It's not hard to list the top six in Calgary because we all know them. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And that's. That's a whole separate issue in Calgary. Yeah, which we will touch on. We will not miss yeah, either. Because VCs, they have to consider that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's the reason also for all your SaaS and all your tools, all of a sudden, price yeah. increase, price increase, price increase. Now that mm-hmm. you're seeing you're coming up to renewal and oh, the price is double, like yeah. not just 20, 30% increase, you're seeing huge increases. Yeah, because VCs yes. aren't funding it anymore. Yeah, so I have to now actually make money, which is a funny what? concept, I guess. <laughs> It, it is. I love that we're just going to keep playing with that. Let's circle back on the, the MVP MLP game because, yeah. you know, anyways, you can't, three letter acronyms, they're everywhere, especially yeah. I live in Calgary. So you can't, I can't, can't go to Christmas MR, dinner without getting three letter acronyms ARR. from my uncle, the engineer, right? Yeah. yeah. AR, MRR, WKRP, yeah, all the things. Um, how critical, though, is that phase when you're working with a company? Like, minimal viable is like just get it out there. Yeah. But most lovable feels very different because yes. I show you, my MVP and you're like, yeah, cool. Thanks. But doesn't really meet my needs. Well, that's a hard road to come back from with a customer. Like, well, sometimes almost impossible because now you're dismissed. How do you juggle that balance in terms of your guidance, your recommendations, and your partnership with your clients to play that? What I would say is a very delicate line of, okay, let's just get to here to prove it. But holy shit, if they don't love it, we like, we just lost that advisory board. Mm -hmm. Yep. Bang on. So one of the biggest things is, uh, you know, an MVP is not necessarily like let's just get it out and sell it and that's the that's the mentality which is the issue right you you're you're just getting out something and you're saying okay I'm just going to sell it I'll deal with it once I build it right <laughs> and that is the worst thing you can possibly do right um right off the bat I'll tell you most people will fail at that level and that's what you'll see is like you know cost overruns is because of the the fact that you're trying to launch an MVP and then you realize Oh, we're missing this feature. We gotta. We have to make sure we have that feature. So the way I differentiate MVP versus MLP is when you're having those conversations with your with your product advisory board. Let's say you get a collection of five. It doesn't need to be that many. Five to ten max. Like you don't need that many, right? You get five to ten people, and you just have a conversation. What are you struggling? What is the biggest pain that you're struggling with right now, right? Um, for example, uh, we, we're just launching our HR software. That's an internal project to us. We built our own. We we had conversation with the with some people that are business oriented, both HR, both operations, and we just said, "Look, here's what we were struggling with. Here's what we built with. What are you guys struggling with? Are you guys having?" And the the biggest thing was everyone hates doing HR, right? HR like tools, they're all toolboxes right now, right? So like if you go and buy Bamboo or you go buy Rippling, you're buying a tool. You still have to do all the work, right? If if you post the well, job... Well, the, the mistake as a company is you buy the tool thinking it's going to do that for you and it doesn't. 
And your lack of knowing, your lack of understanding, it's like buying a project management tool if you don't know how to project manage. It's not going to get better. It's just going to make you frustrated. Anyways, I've I've, I've stripped over that one a few times over the years. Yeah. (laughs) Take take this as a very simple example, right? You post a job, applicants start up pouring in. Awesome. You put all my applicants in one place. I still have to go through the applicants. (laughs) That's the hard part, right? And you have the situations where you're like, you have bosses throwing away 50% of the resumes and saying... We don't work with unlucky people. That's the reality of the world, right? Uh, like, like that's hilarious. Like, you take fifty percent, throw it away. You're like, I don't work with unlucky people. That's true. They are unlucky, right? But how is that picking gems? How is that seeking a great better a great opportunities, right? And so when we had those conversations, they were like, you know, we love we love doing HR. We hate the uh, paperwork, all the stuff that we actually have to do as humans. So we're like, you know what? AI is a big thing right now. AI language processing is a big thing. And that's what it is. So now we build Wally HR for, um, you know, Wally HR um, is what we build. And it takes, it writes your job descriptions for you. So you don't have to go copy paste or go to chat GPT, do your thing. Right. And then whenever someone applies, our our, our, um, AI actually reads through the resume, reads through the job description, the cover letter, the questions uh, you posted and answered, and it actually gives you a rating and gives you an explanation as to why this person is a fit or not a fit, hmm. right? Guess what? We solved that problem of they, don't, they just don't want to do the work, but they, lo- they want to find good people. Well, which comes back to understanding, falling in love with the problem and then solving the right aspect of the problem. Exactly. Which is MLP, right? Which you can't we, do without the customer in the room. <laughs> exactly. And we're yeah, talking yeah, yeah. to people right now. And it seems everyone, so obvious when we're joking, as we talk about it right here. You yeah. Know what I mean? like, and it's, I know. it's such a simple, novel idea. But then when you start talking about it, people are like, but what does that mean? And it, you know, and I use Wally as an example because that was our first internal project, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it was, it's, it's blowing up because every time we show the product, they're like, Oh my God, you hit it. You hit it on the nail. That's exact. I'm not competing with bamboo. I'm not competing with future feed for future. I solved a lovable prod, which is I just want to look up all the good applicants that are coming through. I don't want to read the resumes. I don't want to do all that stuff. I just want to see who's good and then do an interview on them. And be able to trust in the filtering and, system that the good is good because it's based on and our that's criteria. That's why we do the yeah, like, yeah. job description, right? That was one of the combat comments. How do I trust it? That's why we gave it a paragraph. So you can read what the AI has. You're, you're training it through the job description. Bang anyway, on. Right? Yeah, Bang yeah. on. Mm. But that's a lovable product, right? That's something that people are going to be um, going crazy for because it's going to save them hours. It's, it's, it's saving a small business who's 15, 20, 25, 30, 40, 50, you know, thousands of hours in a year <laughs> to go through applicants, Right. Um, because and it, it's sound. thousands of hours of things they don't want to do. Either, they don't want right? to do. Like, exactly. It's not just time. It's the time of like, and which I love people tell the horror stories, AI taking our jobs and take over the world. But it also should, if done right, empower us to do the things that we are actually the best at, which is the conversation and the meeting and the talking, but maybe not sorting into category A, B, and C. You got it. You got yeah, it. Um, like, yeah. think about it. A boss grabbed 50% of the resumes and threw them out and said, I don't want to work with unlucky people. Right. <laughs> All I'm doing is giving you the ability to look at all thousand applicants, right? And then, yes, I'm taking the bad ones out, but they are bad. They're truly bad. It has nothing to do with luck or lack of luck. It's actually, exactly. And and it's not even that they're bad. They're not the right, they're bad for your, they're bad for your criteria. Yeah. And I have a passion for that because, like, I was also in a situation where, you know, um, when I sold new automations and Corridor uh, 1.0 kind of went 
under, I was in this weird situation. I was, I was very depressed. I was, uh, mm. I was, uh, you know, in, in a very bad situation where I was mentally, um, you know, it's, 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 it's actually a problem when you succeed at first, right? Um, when you're first or, uh, founder, as a first time founder, you succeed. And then second one, you get, you get a reality check is what I call it. Right. And then you're kind of like, wait, am I smart? Oh crap. Like, you know what I mean? you kind of take oh, that step your, back. Your, 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 your view of self becomes fractured immediately, which is exactly. really tough from and, a psychological perspective. And, and as a founder, you are the mo- hardest on yourself. Hmm. Right. And you know, uh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. I, I had like, at that time I was uh, engaged with my wife. Uh, now wife. And I just had to go up to her and say, look, like, I'm sorry, I have no energy for anything. I had to basically explain. And it's the hardest thing to explain to someone who you're trying to be, um, you know, you're trying to be the best person for that person. The best version of yourself. Right, yeah, exactly. Totally. And and again, a founder, you're, uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're in a situation where you always want to be the best, right? And so, you know, I'm sitting there on a couch playing FIFA all day. You know that's wrong. You know that's not it's hiding you know I mean? from the world. I, yeah, yeah, I exactly. I and you're just in a bad situation, and uh, and you really have to push through that. And and that was the moment where I was applying for jobs. I was applying for jobs every single day. Right. I know my skills. I know how good I am. I know how like how much impact I can have for any business. I didn't get a single callback. Not a single callback. Not one person was interested to see, do I want to interview this person? Why? Who knows? It could be because of the name. It could be because, you know, because that does happen. A lot of people yeah, will go I know through an applicant, look through a res. People always say AI is biased. Humans are the worst bias. In fact, AI is trained on human bias, right? So, you know, like there are situations where you'll see an Indian name and you'll be like, I can't pronounce that. I'm not calling that person, right? Um, Persian name, any foreign name. A lot of times you get foreigners changing their name just so they can be more, you know, r- relatable. And so, uh, you know, maybe I didn't have keywords in my resume, whatever the reason may be. So this whole resume thing and, and application thing hit home for me, right? That was a huge part for me where with Wally HR, I was like, not only am I solving it because I hate going through applications, I don't post jobs because I don't want to go through applications. But also, I want to help the gems find their jobs. I want to help those people who are actually gems for jobs actually find the job correctly. Like a lot of companies oversee gems, in my opinion. I love Sorry, it because that went a little no, it was fantastic because what you did was actually validate your framework. I heard proper timing. Yeah, um, you've clearly got a team that's been experienced. Yep. You have your you know go to market strategy. We didn't get into it, but you're you're. What did I hear this I day? Have a full a, marketing a, team. I have a sales yeah, team. So I have you had me. that, and then yeah. the product itself was sound and fit and needed and understood a problem. Yeah. And the founder had clear passion for it. So you kind That's of proved right. out your case. So I appreciate yeah. that. You know, exactly. give us a, I didn't say, give us a real life example of where this would happen. And you did. So that, I, I think it fits. I'm going to reel it right back in. Like I said, I'm always ringside or, <laughs> or in the fight. It depends. Know, yeah, yeah. Is this a private fighter? Can anybody join? Um, I'm curious around, and just because you touched on it, I really appreciate the humanity you brought to that because it's easy to talk about MVPs and MLPs yeah. and all these things. But you really talked about, you know, we glamorize the founder journey right now really heavily. We glamorize. Yeah. When I was a kid in school, if you said you wanted to be an entrepreneur, you went, you got sent to remedial yeah. class because that yeah. showed that you were not going to amount to anything. Yeah. We've, yeah, now, exactly. we've now put a celebrity to it and put a cape on it, which I think is fantastic in some ways. 
And well, yeah, but we live in the world of social media where we portray the founder who's always blowing it out of the water. Mm-hmm. We all know, you and I, that that's not true. As part of your business, how much does that humanity of working with different founders when they struggle? I'm sure that comes in on a regular basis. I didn't see founder coaching and uh, I didn't see that on your site, but I'm assuming yeah. just getting to know you that that is part of your DNA. I could hear it the yeah. way you talked. Yeah, that's um, that hits home for me a little bit more as well. Um, and that's kind of going back to the whole you know, quarter one between quarter 1.0 and two. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is, is that a lot of times people post and, and social media in general is like this as, as is, but as founders too, we only post what we want to post and we show what we want to show. Right. And, and it's almost like if you show humanity, if you almost show that you're human, you're weak. Right. And, and so, and so you always post the, Oh, I was at on this stage. I presented this. I presented that. When I see that as a with a, as a founder, like as a founder myself, I've been there as a, a VC, as a whatever. A lot of angels and VCs go, "Holy crap! Like, good for you! Like, good job! Like, you're crushing it." I'm looking at it as you're just not spending time on your business. <laughs> Am I messed up, or I, I don't know? But like, in my opinion, when I see that, and you're doing pitches day after day, and you're trying to raise money. And you're literally just going on stage. Look, exposure is always a good thing, mm-hmm. right? Always a good thing. No, no such thing as bad people. P- no, kind of right? You should yeah. always get to the networking events. You should always do that. In my opinion, as a founder, you have to put yourself as many situations as possible to get lucky. Because that's the reality of, of increase your. It is, it is the good old sales game. I need to make a thousand calls to get a hundred appointments to get to blah, blah, blah. Like to a certain extent, life is like that. Yeah. But I appreciate you adding another filter of like, well, let's really understand what, what's, what's, what's movement versus what's activity versus what's productivity. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I see that, I kind of go, um, you know, you're, you're, you're spending less time with your business, which means your business is pretty much standstill because that, that stuff takes time. And like I said, no one's posting afterwards going, I'm exhausted. I physically cannot think or move anymore, right? Right. So I've been there, right? I, I went to New, I did a back to back in Portland and New York, and we did a workshop, and we went and networked, and it was, and we went to Washington D.C. and I came back, I was fried. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was absolutely fried, and I'm an experienced founder, right? Like I've I've done this before, but like I literally have to tell my team, you guys need to stretch that stuff out. I cannot do it because I can't operate and do that at the same time and still be functional for either of them, mm-hmm. right? So, and let alone show up for the rest of your life. Like, let's talk about, like, it isn't about life balance. It's about all the things all the time, right? And yeah. you heard you're married and you've got someone like, there's a reality there that you're, you're, you're right. You know, my introvert is showing. I, I get my energy from people, but I also get my energy from recharging. And as I older Absolutely. I get, the more I realize that those are very different things that I have to respect or... I will pay the price physically, relationship-wise, fill in the blanks, right? Mm-hmm. If I have four or five meetings in one day, I cannot do work after that. Like, I'm fried. I, I need it's to It's 7 recharge. o'clock. Let's roll up our sleeves. You're like, yeah, no, exactly. I'm going to have dinner. Exactly. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to yeah. put my brain back I in think, my head. Yeah, yeah. I think one time the team put three podcasts for me in one day, and I was done. I was literally, I was like, I was physically, emotionally, mentally exhausted. So I think with founders, I think the biggest thing is, yes, you get glorified, um, especially now in days as a founder, but you also get the opposite effect as well. A lot of people kind of look at you and go, uh, okay, everybody's an entrepreneur today, right? Everyone calls themselves a consultant. I love it when I see like 22 year olds come and say, I'm a consultant. I'm like, 
What are you a consultant of? How to be a child? I don't understand. <laughs> right? Like, what is your body of knowledge? <laughs> yeah. What is your body? Like, I'm 35 and I'm still learning. Right? I could barely call myself a consultant. Right? And, and like, th- those things kind of bother me when, when that happens. But for true founders, I think the biggest thing is mental. You have to mentally prepare yourself for your, what you're about to get yourself into. Right? A lot of times you quit your job and you're like, you know what? I'm sick of bosses. I'm going to be my own boss. <laughs> Trust me, it's not easier. It's actually harder to do, right? And I, I put this in our social media on a regular basis. Uh, we just did a post on uh, Founders Corner. Um, that's our, that's our um, social media. All we do is talk about startups on business and things like that. And, um, and one, one of the jokes was, you know, like when you're vibing with your boss and then the boss kind of gets serious, right? And one of the post uh, comments was, yeah, I hate this. I want to I be my own boss. And I literally responded to that person. I said, it's not easier because you're, you're going to have to be that person. hundred percent. You're not going to be different. You're going to have to be that per- person doing the exact same thing you hate doing or being done to you. Right. So I think the reality is a lot of people kind of glorify it in that way. And I think everyone's kind of like jumped into the bandwagon, not knowing and not being prepared for what it's, what the reality is. I always say it takes people 10 years to be an overnight success. Oh, the tenure. I love that statement. I had a right. funny, just a quick, I had an employee years ago, was a high performer, but was like, it was a handful. Like he yeah. was a handful. There's no question about it. All the time pushing boundaries and it wasn't his way through a little temper tantrum. He oh, laughed yeah. and we, we, we broke up and it was all fine and good. But about five years later, I'm just picking like three, four years. He started his own business. When oh, I man. saw him started online, I was like, oh, this will be interesting. And about six months in, he actually sent me a direct message on LinkedIn and said, I want to I'm apologize. Sorry. I get it. <laughs> And I yeah. was like, you know, we're not going to be buddies, but thank you. I, like, yeah, I, th- and you thanks, appreciate Thank that. you for seeing me, and now yeah. I see you. We're good, man. I, because, I did. I did laugh. I did laugh. Beca- about it. Because Tyler, you and I do want to be the best for our people, right? I think those are the kind of founders that will last. I mean, if you treat your people like crap, they're just not going to stick around. <laughs> they're not going to work their ass off for you, right? The um, math is so, not that complicated in that context. The math is not that complicated, yeah, exactly. No. Mm-hmm. And so I find I find uh, grit is a big one. So look, when I'm looking at a founder, I'm looking at how much grit do you have? Like, are you going to give up tomorrow? If something happens, are you going to be like, you know what? I'm done. I do not work with 22-year-olds. Um, we have this rule now. We've done it a couple times, and we got burnt both times. Because it's they lack the experience. If they do listen... They're kind of like young enough where they're like, you know what? It's okay. I'll just reset. Right. But when you're and, and they're with, entitled to that at that stage, but it doesn't mean you have to work with them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You go right? on your We're, journey and be 22, but I'll catch you when you're 32. <laughs> exactly. Right. And, and I love working yeah. with like 28, 30 year olds because they're kind of in a situation where they're like, I need to make this work. Otherwise, that's, you know, that's it for me. Yeah, and I do appreciate life goes through its cycles and everyone's entitled to the cycle they're in. Exactly. But, you know, it's it's not about age sometimes. It's about, well, you've played the game for longer and you're at a different stage of play. (laughs) Exactly. I just started playing hockey yesterday. I'll probably pick the guy who's been playing for 10 years. You know, just cuts. Just cuts. Exactly. (laughs) So it takes, that's what I mean when I say 10 years to be an overnight success. Yeah, I like Uh, like, 10 years. Look at uh, Facebook, right? Everyone was like, oh my God, Facebook came out of nowhere. No, it took them five years to even start growing right? It took them 10 years to actually for to hit Canada interna- international market. Google, same thing. It took five years before people even knew what Google was, right? Uh, Tesla, major one. No one knew what Tesla was until it was literally on overnight, right? 
it's it's not that easy to be a founder. It takes time. It takes five years to minimum for you to get over that hump to basically become start to become a success, start to become a thing. And and at that point, you probably have pivoted once or twice, <laughs> right? Like you've you've gone and, and the hopefully cycle. You, and hopefully you had to fail early enough in the cycle that you could move forward. I had a buddy who wouldn't hire anyone as a senior executive team unless they'd had a major fail in their life. Because he goes, that just means you're that. probably going to have it on my watch. <laughs> yeah. He goes, if you've had it, I know. I don't know what you learned, but I know you learned a heck of a lot. Like the the MBA by fire, right? <laughs> I always say uh, schooling to me needs to become more uh, re- less theoretic and more um, actual hands-on approach to me. That's that's the reality of it. And secondly, I learned a hundred times more from my quarter 1.0 failure than I did from new automations being a success. Yeah, A hundred times. Like I walked away being like, I just got a crash course in MBA. (laughs) My CFO said that to me. I had a business blow up probably, oh, 12, 15 years ago now. Anyways, it was a sale that fell apart and like got into mitigate. Like it was a mess. It gets messy. And after she goes, congratulations. I was like, she's like, well, you just survived your MBA. (laughs) Yeah. And I wouldn't have had the success later on if I hadn't, because the lessons I learned, I clearly hadn't learned. (laughs) There's no other other way to dress it up. I agree. Let's talk about trends. Let's talk about what you see. Like, you know, let's dust off our crystal ball um, and see what it says. You've said some Things that have already kind of level set around valuations versus mm-hmm. reality and maybe establishing business. What are the things you're seeing? What are you excited about? Just, you know, let's dust off the crystal ball. The stage is yours. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, I think one of the biggest trends I think you'll see right now is uh, for, for startups, uh, especially, is they are looking, uh, VCs and angels are looking at how are you going to get to profitability faster? Okay. So you do have to have a game plan. You can't overspend, right? And and that's going to be a very much of a challenge because that's a completely mind shift to what you're <laughs> going to read online, right? Because online is always two, three years behind, right? And what you're going to notice is uh, a lot of VCs and angels are going to look at, um, do, they're going to do more due diligence on the product itself, whereas before it was about the FOMO. So it was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Any startup, I'm in, Right. Now they're going to look into the, like I said, those four things are the key things. So if you have answers to those four things, I think you're in a very good position because okay. honestly, most startups don't have answers to those four things. Right. Um, so I think that would be another one. VCs, the biggest thing I always tell um, Canadian VC or Canadian startups and even VCs, there is a problem in Canada versus the US. And I think it's the big thing that needs to be addressed. And I, I think it's actually going to get worse. So what the biggest issue between Canada and the U.S. is, um, there's more money flow in the U.S. than there is in Canada. Yeah. Okay. So as an angel or a VC, when I invest in a Canadian a startup, reality of it is, is that by the time I get my money back, you're talking about nine years, right? So Canadian companies move a lot slower because they get lack of funding. And so it's it's kind of this perpetual um, thing. Don't get me started with grants, because I think those are actually a major problem. Um, you know, when you give... Uh, back to spending too much time in the wrong area kind of scenario, right? Exactly, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're trying to... Re- you're, so many startups that we deal with don't expand their product strictly because they didn't get the grant. And I'm sitting there going... Do, you, you, need lo- you, you lost the plot. You lost the plot. <laughs> you, you're 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 wrong. Like it's it's amazing um, when we see that. I, I kind of it hurts my heart, <laughs> right? So you know, 
uh, with Canada, there's so much, um, uh, there's so little deal flow, uh, and angels know that. And so when you're dealing with an angel in Calgary, for example, and you say, look, I'm evaluating myself at a million dollars. I want 220, uh, I'll give you 20% for 200K. They'll give you 50K, maybe, and they'll evaluate you at 500,000, hmm. right? And that's how they'll look at it, right? I'll give you 50K for 10%. I'm like, I'm 10%, like, I'm, I get it. I get from their perspective. It's, it's fair to them because nine years before they get my money back. In the States, their turnover is three. Oh, interesting. So, the, the scale so of nine to three. So they triple okay. their money before a Canadian just gets their money back, right? And so there's a lot more deal flow in the States, which in my opinion is the cause of why the, you know, most startups, the good ones, they'll all leave Canada. And the problem with Calgary um, specifically is you got a lot of resources that, you know, maybe at this launch, maybe get to seed, maybe get to series A, but you don't have the employees that can help you extend that. Yeah, Yeah. Right. You don't have the talent in Calgary to extend beyond the Series A. So you have to look outside. You have to go to Vancouver, Toronto. You have to go to, you know, Seattle, uh, uh, Austin, Denver, because they have the talent to take it to the next level. If I want to take quarter to the next level, I have to go, I, my operations, my COO that like maybe we're looking at, when I was in Washington, D.C., I interviewed for a COO. I can't find a COO here. No one knows COO. They, ju- they, they just don't have that caliber of experience. So. Yeah, we don't have that talent here. So you you kind of start looking outside, and then once you do that, why stay in Calgary? Yeah, is right? it changing? Is it getting better? Have we improved? Are we? Is there trends? Maybe not fast enough, but is and move? Is it moving in the right direction? I think I think with Calgary, the biggest problem has always been at the fact that they keep trying to bring these big companies into Calgary. Um, so that they can funnel talent into the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the only problem with that, it's the wrong kind of talent, right? We don't, the talents that you need as a startup is not so much developer. I can find a developer remote, no problem. It's not hard to find a developer, right? Business, I don't the, need the, the business developer. around it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the business. It's the go-to market strategy. It's yeah, the yeah. third most important thing. I can build product all day, but if I don't have a team or a strategy around it, what's the point? Like, I'm going to fail. It's, it's your setup for failure. Um, my VP of marketing, Vancouver, hmm. right? I got my developers in Calgary, but none of my main people are in Calgary. <laughs> It's interesting because like a lot of the media was all, oh, we need more developers. We need more full stack developers. Like the media grabbed onto that because I get, and again, I'm not, I, you're always at risk if you look to the media for your information. Yeah. But that was the story that was being told in Calgary the last couple of years. But everyone I talked to is like, I need a project manager with 10 years experience who's worked at this size Impossible. of company. Don't exist here, period. Impossible. Like just, you can't find them. Yeah. And if you do find them, you'll find them at Alberta Health, right? And, Which is, yeah, a whole different You thing. know, I, I'm fortunate. I have a, a part-time contractor work um, who works at part, uh, you know, AHS. She she does some work for us off time while she's not at AHS. And to be frank, she's amazing. But like, I've talked to some of those AHS people. They're lazy. No offense to any of them. Like, it's the it's the system that makes them that way. But like, well, if you actually work hard there, you actually you're going against the grain. I know people yeah, exactly. that are like, this and, is not and, my. You either you either conform or you leave. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. right. And so a lot. It's just again, it's that whole mentality of the grants as well. Right when you're looking at only going after grants, you're sitting there going, "Okay, well, the grants um, give me a hundred free, a hundred thousand dollars free money. 
again, startups go for grants because they can get the money because it's easier than getting the money from the angels. Angels are very, very hesitant to give money because of the fact that it takes them nine years to get their money. So to them, it's, I rather write smaller checks, but more checks than big checks and less check or in uh, quantity. Right. And so that issue becomes like for me to raise for a quarter 1.0, we raised about 250,000. It took like the life out of me to raise that money. It was a bunch of $25,000 checks, not worth it. Right. Wally HR, one check, 150,000 done. Right. And and you need to focus on your business. Did that check from Calgary or did that check come from somewhere else? So yes, it it was from Calgary, but to be frank, he's not a normal investor. Okay. Like he's an American investor. Like if I were to tell you what kind of mentality he has, it's, um, it's an American style mentality. uh, There's where your address is and there's where your mindset is. I get those are different. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And to be frank, I don't think he would have invested with anybody. It was only because it was with me. You know, he knows well, at those early work. stages is it's really it's who you know and how you know them, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and again, course. lucky. Honest, honestly, like us knowing him, it was it was pure luck. We actually did work with him, <laughs> so we actually built one of his products. He saw the impact quarter has, and that's why he was like, "Yeah, what do you? What's your project? I'll, I'll invest into that." Right. Back to your so point, he, he was investing in you guys. The product was second; was almost secondary. It still yeah. had to be good, though. Like I, exactly. I get. I'm just well, going back to your 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 four point algorithm here. I'm using that as my reference. Yeah, yeah. His question, right? Why yeah. now? Right. I like the team. So two was was set. Three was how are you planning to get this to market? And I had answers for all of it. Product, yeah. got it. Makes sense, right? That's that's the whole Wally HR. With you touched on earlier AI, like technologies from a trend perspective. Obviously, you can't throw a stone without AI throwing it back at you in some way. Um, yeah. Is that is is that the biggest hottest trend? And you know, I know everyone's jumping on that bandwagon, and there's a lot of hype and a lot of smoke and mirrors there going on too, and maybe some FOMO as well. How's that impacting the deals or the potential partners that are showing up on your doorstep? Um, so AI is the biggest hype since the dot com era. Yeah, um, to be honest. Um, I think everyone is throwing AI around like it's uh, it's candy. Um, a lot of times people come to us and they're like, yeah, we got AI. And I'm like, hey, what's your AI? And they explain it to me. And I'm like, that's an algorithm, not AI. Um, two very different things. And to be frank, they both have their benefit, right? Like, it's not like it's a bad thing to have an algorithm. The, the biggest issue is VCs and angels typically are also, because they're dealing with such large volumes of deals coming through their way, they sometimes lack the knowledge of like what like what is true AI? Like what's the moat with an AI, right? Like what are you building that's so unique about your AI? And I hate when VCs and angels ask that question because if you understood the tech side behind it, you, you the guy can't raise $100,000 on that idea if it's going to be moat. You need millions of dollars. You need computing power, Right. So you're asking a, v, a, and a startup who's coming to you for $100,000 and saying, what's your moat for AI? You're not going to invest. A, that, that's impossible, right? The tech alone costs millions of dollars. I think one Million, of the- Millions one, and millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> there's yeah, one yeah. AI company that raised $1.3 billion on a seed level because <laughs> they need the hardware, right? You need all, you're basically investing in the hardware. That's to actually true truly AI. say you own the AI. If not, you're That's plugging right. into someone else's system. When, mm. when a guy comes to, if you don't have that money, don't ask that question because you're not going to be able to invest in a true AI company. So you got to mm-hmm. invest in a, and that's where Wally comes in, 
right? Like Wally HR, for example, imagine if our investor was like, well, what's your moat? I'm like, I don't have the data. Do you, are you going to give me $2 million tomorrow to like be able to process that data? No, right? Um, so reality of it is a lot of AIs will utilize um, third-party AIs that are already built. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing, right? A lot of people kind of say like, I got to be unique. I got to be... No, you don't. You just have to solve a problem. I don't understand why everyone's always on, on cue for being a moat because they're trying to be billionaires. You don't need to be a moat. You just need to solve a problem. And that will naturally grow into you becoming a moat, right? Because if you have that leverage and you're the start and you're, you're at your head, right? You're going to be able to solve a problem. You'll be able to grow with it. And you've got execution, you have scale, you have the things that, that now make it really difficult for somebody just to come in at your level. <laughs> and you're coming at profitability, right? You actually have a plan to become profitable. You're not trying to pay off equipment costs. You're not trying to pay off computing power. You're literally, you know, you know. So I, I love moat concepts. I don't think in Canada it's it's going to be a lot smaller than it will be in the states because states has big money, right? Yeah. Um, so they'll throw money at it like it's nobody's business. So I think it is a major FOMO thing right now. I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation and a lot of uh, AI companies crashing in the next, I would say, two three years. Um, but for startups, I would say, especially the ones that want to utilize AI, find the find the niche as to how you're going to use it. You know, Wally HR is an example, right? Find out how you can use it to make an MLP, most lovable product, and just go with it because that will get you to the next level. You need to start somewhere. I always tell this to startups and VCs and angels, you got to start somewhere, right? You can't just expect, you know, be up here. So I need you to survive to get to that level, right? <laughs> like, I get your vision. I love your vision. I see where you're going. But like, if you can't survive this in-between path, what's the point? Yeah. So what's your strategy to survival? Outside of AI, anything else brewing? Because this is the easy one, low-hanging fruit almost to talk mm-hmm. about. Anything else kind of kicking around that's, that you're excited about or that you're seeing show up on your desk? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are kind of now completely gone on uh, cryptocurrency. All of a sudden, that disappeared as soon as AI became a thing. Um, so cryptocurrency, in my opinion, is is one of those I think is going to be on the downtrend, but blockchain technology is going to be massive. Um, so I think like, for example, Bitcoin, like you have to realize these guys have uh, technology that's not easy to replicate blockchain, right? Um, the technology there is is massive. I'm very curious to see how that will trend um, to the upside. Um Bitcoin cryptocurrency, I think there's going to be too much regulation behind it. They're, the governments are going to try to take control of it. It just has <laughs> gonna, to. They're going to take the fun or the original use case right out of it. Yeah, you'll always have the good actors and the bad actors. And there's been yeah. so many bad actors on the Bitcoin uh, stage that it's it's just it's it's a risk game. It's a major risk game. Um, you know, you can see what's happened in the past uh, year with Bitcoin, Canada, U.S., international. It's crazy. Um, it's it's insanity, and people lose have lost millions of dollars by being in uh, you know cryptocurrency. So, in my opinion, you know, a lot of people got rich again. FOMO, right? A lot of people got rich on it. Everyone kind of gone in, and now everyone's like, I have no understanding of what it is because it's psychological. It's you can't predict it. There's no fundamentals behind it, right? That's Bitcoin. <laughs> but blockchain, like you can do smart contracts. So there's a lot of like good that can come out of blockchain. So I'm very yeah. excited for that. 
everyone talks about web 3.0 right <laughs> um to be honest it's <laughs> you're not you, what a lot of people don't realize is yeah web 3.0 being free being able to control your own privacy listen it's still on servers it's just not on google servers it's mm-hmm. not on amazon servers now you're just but guess what china has one of the largest server farms in all the world for bitcoin right so it's you're it i call this like same as mortgage and 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 renting you're just paying one asshole over the other asshole, right? <laughs> it's it's the same. Like at the end of the day, you need the server. You know, if you're renting, you're paying your landlord. If you're mortgage at this point with today's market, you're paying the bank the same rent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> right. <are>. So <laughs> switch asshole. Are you, are you okay paying? Yeah. So Web 3.0. I'm. I think that's going to be a weird dud. I don't really like it. I'm not. I think there needs to be way more of a um, umph behind it before people actually start getting attracted to it. Um, I think it's like uh, Metaverse. So Metaverse is a big one right now, um, was a big one. I think Facebook really showed how little people want to be on 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 that. A that one was so quick, like boom, yeah. bang, done. Like you know, well, like September, threads. October spike, and then just dropped right off. Right. Look yeah. at Threads. Right. Like it took a week and then a massive drop off. Why? Because they rushed it to product. And guess what? It's not an MLP. It's not most level. What What did you do? You did nothing that Twitter does. You only did half of. I tried using Threads, and I'm like, I want to search specific topics, and I cannot do that. There's no like trending. Like I'm seeing all these threads, and I'm like, bro, this is just disorganized chaos. Like I, I don't know who I want to look at. So uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think uh, um, uh, Meta is an interesting one because it can create like virtual concerts, mm-hmm. um, virtual shopping. So there's a there lot are some of op- experiential aspects there even when you start integrating into the VR and the AR worlds but, or the or the the XR kind of what I think is but still technology access it's still going to be slow even though it's, it's cool gonna be slow, even though it's cool one one thing I don't like about metaverse to to be honest is the fact that it became commercialized way too fast right it became too Prada Gucci everyone's trying to sell land on there NFTs and it's just like like you know look at facebook they started with no ads it was it was fun to be on there right if i go to the metaverse yeah because those early adapters are coming in at a different reason when it's kind of like the purest right the facebook exactly. purest back in the day and just so the people cycles are commercializing things way too fast right and so mm-hmm. like i went into the metaverse and i'm like it's ads ever it's like new york billboards everywhere in well, your it, face it, it, it became ready player one way too quick right yeah where you're like i'm everywhere is times square i'm like i'm out of here <laughs> yes yeah, sell me on something and i think i think like the metaverse is going to be massive for job training construction training things like that is going to be massive like you can do your training before you even step foot into the uh, i think that know, use case is phenomenal especially phenomenal. in like high risk high cost high exposure Absolutely. areas for sure but to, tra- to train to users, train that individual, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe virtual concerts. That's cool. I like that. Like you know, go to a, attend to a virtual. But again, a virtual concert to me is like I want to feel I'm there, right? Like I don't go to a concert for the music per se. I go there for the experience. No, the music is usually better just in your car with a good set of speakers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so so yeah, there's a lot of tech coming out and and trending and things are trending. I think the biggest one is AI because AI is going to help us become more efficient. Um, a lot of people are worried about their jobs. To be honest, industrial age, everyone was worried about their jobs. Um, you know, dot com, everyone was worried about their jobs. It's 
we're always worried about our jobs. It's 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 a trend. Uh, new things come, we don't understand it. We're worried about our jobs. And fear is a powerful marketing tool. Let's not forget. Massive, <laughs> massive. Fear I, of, I think, fear of loss aversion is way stronger than 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 the propensity towards gain. I think the only other thing that humanity can overpower is hope. Fear mm-hmm. is the larger. I think hope is the one thing that humanity has that if they have hope, they will outdo their fear. They will always step above and beyond um, fear. And they'll put I, themselves in the line of danger if, if hope is the thing. So, About 10 years ago, my business coach at the time, ex-Canadian military uh, wing commander at Cold Lake, yeah. led, a, led a fighter squadron into uh, the Middle East back in the day. And he said to me, he goes, Tyler, what's your number one role as a leader? And I'm like, oh shit, this is a big question. Yeah. Thinking about it, he goes, he looks at me, he goes, hope. Hope. If you, you don't give your team hope. hope that tomorrow is going to be better than today, he goes, you failed as a leader, whether you're a squadron leader, whether you're a business leader, whether you're just a human with your family. And I've always taken that, like you, I, I overcomplicated it and he dropped hope on me and I've never forgot that message. So I love that you brought that up at the end. But mm. Honestly, Tyler, that is the best thing you can do as a founder because there's so many ups and downs. There's valleys and, and peaks. There's more valleys than And the bullets are always coming in. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you start feeling the fear, if you start feeling the pain, everyone around you feels it. And I can see that. As soon as I kind of feel down, I can tell like when I'm having conversations, they can feel I'm down. But when I have hope, everyone's like, let's go. Seb, we're behind you, right? And it's a completely different mentality. And I agree with that 100%. Always make sure you're selling trust and hope. Because I think at the end of the day, without the trust, there's no hope. Boom, mic drop. My friend, that was a fantastic (laughs) episode. You Thank know, don't, you. don't, don't threaten me with a good time. I knew this was going to be, I knew this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, aside for all of the, uh, you've been very good. You're an excellent marketer. I'm sure your, your marketing you. partner would be like, you, you said you, you, you jumped out Wally, you brought up corridor. What's the best way if somebody wants to talk to you? Like there's a million channels. Do you have a preferred, like what's your, what's your best way? Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, LinkedIn is probably the best option. Um, so Sepair, S E P E H R and then S. Um, so I don't put my full last name there. Um, just because it's a hard one. Uh, <laughs> try explaining that to someone to try to search. So uh, yeah, LinkedIn is a really good one. I actually answer a lot of the comments and messages on Founders Corner. Amazing. So Founders Amazing. Corner is our social media. Um, it's We're not selling anything there. We're not doing anything there. We're just helping founders kind of navigate the, the founders world um, with employees. It's a lot of memes, a lot of podcasts, a lot of educational videos on there. So, uh, so that's a really good one as well. Um, I'm, I'm more than happy. And if you want to drop me an email, more than happy. Again, it's Sepehr, S-E-P-E-H-R, at Corridor.io. Fantastic. I was loving I was I was geeking out on Founders Corner this morning. I love your podcast. I love the setup. I love the Thank titles. You. I love how focused it is. And I also personally know what it takes and what kind of a commitment there is yep. to content creation. So yeah. high fives. Good job. Yeah, keep, up, keep, keep up. Keep up. Boom. Virtual <laughs> high five. Keep up the good work, brother. Man, yeah, it was an absolute you. pleasure. Thanks for the work you do. And thanks for your time today. I loved it. Of course, Tyler. Thank you for having me.